0: Stay connected. We're going to start off with a video, and I'm going to do this. We've got Toby. He's our resident Brit, and uh, uh, Toby, this is uh, just a little thing that went viral that uh, they shot, and uh, it's a British dad, so they use mum and different things like that, so we might have to have Toby translate some of it for us, Um, but basically, this is about a dad who's trying to get creative, and he's trying to act, uh, he's trying to get his son to, like, behave in a car. You guys ever had those moments as parents where you really kind of challenged? So, let's take a look and see what dad comes up with in trying to get his son to be good. It's you know, it, it's kind of a funny thing and it really kind of went viral and then but as I was looking at it in light of the thing that we're going to talk today, it's just like, you know what, we would never do that to each other. I mean, did you, you see all hear all the subtle messages that were in there? Like, if you don't do what I want, I'm going to hit the eject button, <laughs> right? And for some of us, we wouldn't do that to one another, but some of us, we wear the eject button like right here, right? And we tell people, well, if you'll uh, tell me that you love me, and if you'll give me kisses, and if you'll tell me that, and if I'll tell you that I'll, I'll, that I'll do the, the play thing with you and all of that, then you won't hit the button. Because even though dad says, you know, I'm yours, you know, you're mine, the the little boy still is trying to figure this thing out. So if I do all of these things, then you won't hit the the eject button. And I just thought, and then the threat too, like, I'll never see Mummy again. And I'm like... Oh, my gosh. And it's wondered, like, when we get to be adults and, like, you know, 30, 40 years later, and we've got issues because dad was going to hit the eject button, you know, and launch us out of the seat. But isn't it true? We all grow up sometimes with some form of abandonment or, you know, distrust or betrayal. And I just want to encourage you, yeah, don't threaten your kids with, like, You're going to eject them into space and they're never going to see their parents again? And when we deal with each other, we have to be the same way. I don't need to threaten you with the fact that I'm going to disconnect with the relationship to get you to do what I want to do or to get you to see things the way that I see them. Amen? And that's really what this sermon is all about. Have you guys ever felt like hitting the eject button? on somebody, like, I've just had it, I just, they're never going to get it, I'm just, boop, I don't have the the emotional capacity to handle this person or this situation, and you know what, Uh, either in fear or in pride, we just go, boop, bang, and we're out, and that's the message this morning, this is something that that God has been speaking strongly to me uh, to remind us to never give up on each other. Yeah. Don't give up on your brothers or your sisters here. Don't give up on your pastor. Your pastor won't give up on you. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your parents. Don't give up on each other. We have to stay connected. The whole point of this morning is not to let disconnect uh, When And I was asked, I was like, in my prayer time, I was like, God, well, why is it so important that we don't disconnect from each other when we wouldn't treat each other uh, the way and try to motivate each other by the eject button? And he said, uh, giving up on people is important because of the message that it sends when we, you know, why would anybody believe that there is a God, uh, a father that is committed to them, right, that has expressed this love and this desire for connection by giving up, like a sacrificial sacrifice, giving up his own son, why would people, why would the world ever believe that if my people aren't staying connected, if our people aren't loving each other? John 17, 22, 23, says this, uh, and these are red little words. These are the, this is the very words of Jesus Christ, John 17, 23. I have given them the glory you gave me. So right there, that should change our lives. If you don't read another <laughs> sentence in the Bible, right there, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. And I in I am in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So that is the sign, right? In the Old Testament, it was Moses went up and he got the Ten Commandments. And if God's people lived by the Ten Commandments, it would make them distinct and it would make them unique. And then all of the world would be blessed through God's people, because they would be so distinct. So what is it in the New Testament, in the, in the New Covenant? It is our u- unity. And I want to tell you that that the, the glory of Christ lives in us, and the ultimate expression of that is a deep and authentic relationship and connection among each other. Now, unity doesn't mean that we're all the same. There's other religions where you have to do that. We would all be Drinking Kool-Aid and wearing Nikes or uh, I don't know. Do you guys ever go through the San Francisco airport like in the 70s or 80s in the Hare It was just like y- the reason that there's nobody in the airports anymore is because they were just like overbearing like asking for money and different things. But they all look the same. And, but this is what makes Jesus Christ different is that even in our differences, even though in the ways that we're not alike, Jesus Christ is big enough and we can have unity in our differences. So it's not that we're the same, but it's that we're unified in Christ. That there's a glory and that glory shines best when we, um, when we endure the tough times in relationships and we don't quit on each other. Unity doesn't mean that we're all the same, but unity means that we're all committed. If you look back, there wasn't probably a a group that was more broken or more at odds than the Jews and the Gentiles. It's still true uh, today, but especially in the first century when there there was Roman oppression and the the Jews were looking to get out uh, from that, they were severely fractured. They just wouldn't even mingle. They wouldn't even eat in the same restaurants or do any of those things. And in Ephesians 2:14, Paul wrote this about Jesus. He says, "For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility." So this is speaking specifically to the Jews and the Gentiles, but this is True, in other writings we'll see that it it's just between any barriers that, it, that exist between God's people have been removed. And the only walls that are left now are yours and mine. He has broken down every wall. And I'll say this, we have to have Healthy boundaries to have healthy relationships, right? Yeah. So this isn't talking about the appropriate walls that we all have in life that we that we absolutely have to have. These are the ones that come out of pride. These are the ones that come out of fear that we erect that maybe aren't uh, as holy. You know, we're described as one body. We're described as one body with many parts. We're created for connection and for commitment to each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, so if you had any doubts, it's this. The eye cannot say to the hand, what? I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The thing that we can say is, I need you. And this is the fact that we have to live like our lives depend on each other because to do it right and to and to bring that glory that's been given to us and show the world how much God loves them is through our relationships, through deep and authentic relationships. <clears throat> Let me talk about some other things that I'm really not saying. I'm not saying that the church is like the Hotel California, <laughs> right, where you can check out, but you can never leave, right? Right. We, we have to acknowledge before I get into all of the rest of this, that that God uh, sovereignly places us in, in 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 different situations and with different people and in different relationships, <clears throat> all to accomplish his plans and his purposes on the earth. Right. We, we acknowledge that there's there's we're all part of that. I'm not in the, the I'm not in the church that I first went to when I was saved. You know, this is just the way uh, that it goes. So we're not talking about the holy times and the thing, reasons, and the ways that God moves us. Today and this morning, what we're taking on is all the other times that we hit the eject button and it wasn't God. When we let fear and pride and let disconnect win. And we all have coping mechanisms, right, that we use that make us unavailable for community, unavailable for uh, relationship. Now, some of us might be a runner. You guys know what runners are? I heard at one time, don't let that horse out because he's a runner, you know, and it's just like, or don't let the dog out. He's a runner. Eskimo dogs are like great for that. They just go and go. And we all know people that just keep moving from, uh, you know, place to place to place to place, from church to church, to church, to church, from job to job, to job, to job, from marriage, to marriage, to marriage, to marriage. And running is a way that we kind of, is a coping mechanism rather than allowing the grace of God and the cross to really work in our hearts. Uh, maybe you might be a porcupine. What do you think a porcupine's like if you said, hey, that's my co- coping mechanism, a porcupine? They don't, they don't get close. Yeah, they come in and they look like, oh, they're kind of, well, they are kind of weird looking, really. But <clears throat> when you get close, it's like, oh, they're just nice little things. And, you know, you go to give them a hug, and what happens? Bang! 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 So, uh, people want relationship, but they just they act so abrasive that anybody that tries to get close to them, all the quills come out. Bang! 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 And it just bleeds the other person to death, or the other person just learns, okay. Uh, I've, I'm, I've got an invitation into relationship with these people, but if I do, I know I'm going to get stuck. And it's almost like this thing. Well, nobody really likes me, and the, so they, they act this way, and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They just start acting it out, and they have to keep people at a distance. So there's other things that we have we can use um, different substances and and different things to uh, depress ourselves so that we can depress our feelings, so that we can stay, go to a party or show up at the office event, things like that. Maybe we blame others for the, the breaking in relationship really when it's the fact that we just don't manage ourselves. You know, that we have a responsibility to manage ourselves in a relationship so this morning, we are declaring that Jesus is our peace and that he makes connection and longevity in relationships a reality in our life. It's Jesus. That's what we're declaring. We have the freedom to remain, even if we grew up, uh, maybe like that little guy in the video, and we learned distrust, abandonment, or rejection. There is a path to relational victory And longevity in in connection. We don't have to sit there the whole time with our fingers sitting on the red eject button and walk through life that way. You know, the first church, the first century church in Corinth, it was a it was a, a great church in a lot of ways. It was dynamic, it was growing. They had a lot of great leaders going there. The people were moving in the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, it was genuinely. a a powerful place, but there was a a, a sense of disconnect that began to erode. There were uh, erode the fellowship. There were factions that were coming into the church and, you know, pitting kind of one leader against the other. In fact, I really believe that maybe it wasn't even though they started out one leader against the other, but once they once they felt the people kind of preferring them, then all of a sudden these divisions just naturally took over and rose up in the church. I think it's because they were looking for somebody that they could agree with more than somebody they could really connect with. Somebody that believes the same way that they do. And I want to tell you, this is exactly the problem that we have that is growing in our country. Have you guys noticed the polarity that we have? It's because now, uh, maybe it's, we could blame it on uh, Facebook, but now it's like... (laughs) The highest priority in relationship is agreement. You've got to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, I am going to cut you off. Like the unfriend button is just like hovering there. Or the ignore button, right? And you just got to stay. And sometimes I know, like people, your friends from high school, they're like saying stuff. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. But you know what? I want to stay connected to them but what's happened this was a great thing and in campuses there was really serious dialogue and things that shaped you know the world and some of it in really really great ways but now what's happening on the campuses is you can't argue about anything it's like as soon as you disagree i hit the eject button i go and find a safe space and i hide there and i huddle up with everybody that feels exactly the same way i do until i find out that oh i didn't know that you ate meat. Well, no, I don't eat meat. It's just like, it's just fish. Well, no, no, no. Anything with fins or hooves, like I'm out of the thing. So, you know, it just kind of goes this way and they keep looking for their safe spaces. I don't want to tell you, it just keeps eroding and eroding the connection. I find out that this is why our culture is going the way that it is. And we are the antidote. Christ in us, this glory that we have to stay connected and to stay in relationship, that is Uh, The antidote that we don't have to run off into safe spaces, that Jesus can handle it. It's not that we're always fighting or arguing, but it's like it's okay if we have disagreements. It's okay if there's little petty things that happen that we can look beyond them. And Paul writes a letter to this church in in Corinth, and he writes them a letter to show them this kind of, this is the playbook. If you would, just being able to stay connected, to stay in relationship, to stay with our spouses in our families. And at the end of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, uh, Paul says, I will show you the most excellent ways. Because there are some excellent ways out there. There's some pretty good ways to have church and to have fellowship and to stay in this. But he says, I'm going to show you the most Excellent way. Most of you are very, very familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. I have to do a wedding this afternoon. Everybody know what 1 Corinthians 13 is? Love chapter. Yep. You thought that Paul put it in there so they would have something really cool to read at weddings. Right? In, in a sense, it is about husband and wife, but but the context really is about the body of Christ. It's The, the context is... Uh, a a church family. And here's how he starts. He says this in 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And I just think, golly, I don't know what you thought. I'm just like, why did he have to start with patience? (laughs) You know, isn't that like kind of the, the foible of us all, like the one place that we can get a lot of things right, but I don't know about you, but but patience is one of those things that God is still working on. I mean, I go, well, why would he, but of all the words that Paul could have chosen, I mean, he was a master really on, on love and in, in terms of building up the church and instruction to the church. But notice that the first thing he starts with is, is patience. And I tell you, the reason he starts with patience is because love Values connection and connection takes time. Love values connection and connection takes time. This is the other critical thing. If we don't get anything else out of this morning, this is this is tres importante. Uh, I just used two languages there. Mix them together. Okay. But anyway, so it's hear ye, hear ye, or verily, verily. Uh patience sends a message, and the message that patience sends is that here. In Christ, people get a second chance. That's why he begins with patience. Here, in my life, in our relationship, in our church family, in our uh, natural family, people get a second chance. And that is the gospel message, that God so loved the world that he gave us a second chance. So that's why patience is so important. And that's why having this eject button just sitting there as we're relating with our family as we're relating with people you know it's just so deadly to hover that thing over and to use it as a threat because it's that that god is a god of second chances or third chances or whenever you turn to god sincerely and truly with your heart you know he's there he's not going to hold things against you if you turn to him through jesus christ a second thing it says that love is kind, you know, and and kindness, wh- why is that important? Well, he goes wrong well, for patience to hang out with people, give them a second chance, but then love is kind is the second thing, and that because that's because kindness takes initiative. Kindness sees a need, and kindness responds to it. We've all experienced kindness and we love, we love kindness. But here's the type of kindness we have to have. And this is maybe where it falls short. And this is maybe why our relationships don't last as long as they, they could or, or, or they should. It's because we always want to uh, respond to the needs of others according to the way that they responded to us. Or for the things that they've done to us. That's how we want to respond. But I want to tell you the right way, the correct way, the blessed way to do it. You see a need and you respond not how they treated you, but how God Treated you. I don't want to tell you all of a sudden the relationship takes on a completely different flavor. Right? It's not depending on what the other person, you know, Jesus took a lot of stuff from, from us. But all through it, Jesus never stopped being Jesus. He was always gracious and compassionate. I mean, for the religious leaders, whoa, yeah, like that's tough. But for the others, he never stopped being Je- you know, Jesus. He's on the cross, and what does he say? Toast them, Lord. No, it's what? Forgive them. They don't know exactly what this thing is. They're not getting it. Forgive them, Lord. That's the same that we are, and this is what will enable kindness in our life, is that we base our kindness on the kindness that we've received from the Heavenly Father. And in this way, we can stay connected for a long time. Verse 5, it doesn't Uh, It does not dishonor others. This is love. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. The first part, it does not dishonor others. I want to tell you, almost nothing keeps relationship going like honor does. A definition of honor, and I got this from Bill Johnson. Um, Others have written kind of the same thing. But honor is acknowledging others. For who they are, without stumbling over who they aren't. Honor is acknowledging people for who they are without stumbling over who they aren't. Because the truth of the matter is, we all have something that we are, and we all bring to the table what? what we aren't. A great demonstration of this is the, the prodigal son. The prodigal son had a whole bunch of stuff that he wasn't. He had brought shame and disgrace on his family. He had squandered his dad's hard-earned money and spent it on uh, booze and women. or Whatever he did, I don't know for sure. And in those days... That would have just, I mean, it would be a devastating thing today. But in that culture to know that somebody's son was out there and had taken the family inheritance, he even had the nerve to ask for it and then take it and do what he did to it, it just would have been a crushing thing for the family. So this guy, the prodigal son, had a, a ton of things that he wasn't. But you know what he was? He was a son. And when he finally reaches the end of, oh, of himself, And he turns his life to God, and he returns to his father. His father not only greets him, his father not only uh, forgives him, but his father goes beyond forgiveness into honor. And that's what we have to do. Forgiveness is the first step, but we have to go beyond forgiveness into honor. Dad says, yeah, I accept you. You're here. You're home. We have to celebrate. Right here, let me put my robe on you. Let me put a ring on your finger. Let me put sandals on your feet. He's bestowing honor and authority and acceptance on his son. But he had to go beyond forgiveness. And that's the call for us this morning as believers is to go beyond forgiveness. Now, I have to deal with, help people through a, a lot of conflict. You know, in the community, in the church, in families, relationships, that's just that's part of my job description. I have to help people. And sometimes I feel like we've made some headway or whatnot, and uh, somebody will tell me, well, I really don't have a problem with them per se. Now, I, I'm like past it and in, in, in all of this. And then also, to, if I really want to find out, then all I have to do is say, okay, let's go one step further, and let's honor them. Let's bless them in some way. Let's send them a gift. Let's, uh, you know, tell, uh, tell other people how great they've been and how this thing is awesome to see in them. And then I can always tell, because then it's like, whoa. Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. How can they don't deserve it? And I go, that's the whole point. Is that why we didn't have any honor, Jesus Christ honored us. And not because we deserved it. Because the Father's desire was to be connected with you and to be connected with me. That's why he did it. That's why God gave up what he loved the most, his very own son. So that the connections don't have to come and go. We don't have to sit around with an eject button. In fact, what we want to do is just take the eject button down, like unhook it, unwire it. The other thing it says is love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Here's what I know about me is I like me, a whole lot of me. (laughs) Right? And here's what I know about you. You like you, a whole lot of you. So that doesn't mean that we can't be in unity. Uh, The cross can handle it. The glory of God in us can easily uh, handle that. But, you know, we don't have to look. We already talked about the agreement thing. If it's if it's you have to agree with me, and that's the top priority, and if we're just insisting on that, and when we don't agree, what's the only option? One of us has got to go. Plain and simple. So, and not that we always have, but we can get into to, uh, agreement, and we can uh, agree to disagree agreeably. We can do all of those things, but the reason is, is that, Connection has to be the top priority in relationship, not uh, agreement. Now, you can't always be at conflict, and you won't be. I guarantee you, if you put, I want to stay connected. So what's the priorities become? I want to understand. I want to know what this person's story is. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Hannah and how Hannah, in her barrenness, And in her emptiness of not hearing God, she goes to the temple and she's there because people are making fun of her because she can't have kids. She's broken. She's pouring out her soul. And I believe she's just kind of maybe trembling, at least for sure her her lips are. And Eli comes in, the priest. He's a good guy. And says, man, what are you doing? You're partying. You're getting drunk and you're coming in here. It shouldn't be that way. We have to take time to get to know somebody, because we can always, I tell you what, when there's, there's a, a gap between who we're called to be and who we are on any given day, and when I look at that gap in my life, I always fill it with grace and mercy, and man, I've been busy for the last few days, or, you know, uh, this happened, or this check didn't make it in, or I got this extra bill, or something like that. I make all sorts of reasons for myself, and I extend grace, like, without measure, to myself. But then if I see that same gap in somebody else between, well, you know, what they say they believe and how they should live and this thing, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, they walked right by me. Hmm. kind of stuck up. You know, what's going on? You know, I, I did something for them. Like, why aren't they giving me some friendship or Or something like that, but isn't that the way it goes? We fill in the gap. We haven't taken the time to get to know someone's story, so that's why connection takes time, right? It's not self-seeking. The first goal in connection is seeking to understand, like where are you coming from? What is going on? Amen. Love keeps no record of wrongs, so love doesn't say that there are no wrongs being done, but rather it doesn't store them up. Or at least what it does. I believe uh, Paul is saying here is take the, the list of wrongs that you've seen in others and your heart and put a distance between the two. Put enough distance in there that Jesus Christ, you know that 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 there's room for trust to build, trust for you to believe that Jesus Christ can handle those wrongs that were uh, done to you and that you that you'll figure it out. Now, I'm not saying I'm mostly talking about you know, little arguments that can happen and little skirmishes and little scraps. I'm not talking about the things where, hey, somebody's hurting me, okay? Somebody is preaching a a different gospel at this, you know, in this thing, or they're they're spreading this. Like, those are the types of things, like, we we have to keep record of those things and we have to address them. But we can do it and still stay uh, connected. So, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Always love, always, 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 always. And and Paul is making a point here that love doesn't give up on others. Always, always, always. Don't we not, don't we all need from time to time somebody that, that believes in us even when we're messing up? Most of you are sitting in this room. Most of you know the love of Jesus Christ because somebody didn't give up on you when you were messing up. Love always protects. It always seeks for the good it always believes it always hopes right and this isn't just some sort of whacked out crazy denial thing like uh it, it's not that at all but it's just a, a choice that we need to make we all need somebody from time to time when we don't believe in ourselves for somebody to believe in us and this is where the glory of god is just manifest and just shows we'll close with hebrews twelve fifteen. uh Anthony Skinner talked about this last week. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. and what this is is a command God Jesus gave his his glory to us so that we could be connected to people, not disconnected. We can all drift, so we all need somebody to uh we all need somebody. There's always somebody in our lives that we can go around and we can come up and be sure that we point them to the grace of God. We can all mess up ourselves. We all need somebody to come by us when we're the ones that are messing up and hurting people and making bad choices. We need somebody to come alongside us and walk us through and guide us to the grace of God. And here's the other thing, too, is we have to blaze a trail. There's others that are coming behind us that will come to New Song Church or will be your neighbor or that you will work with in the future. And you have to be sure that if they ever decide and to connect and they want to find out more about what this glory that's inside of you, that you've blazed the trail and there's a way for them to be able to find that glory as well. Amen? So clear the path for those to come. So here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to make connection the highest priority in Our relationships and our conversations, not necessarily agreement. We really get to know someone's story, and we're going to seek to understand somebody, not sit there with our finger on the eject button trying to manipulate and control people to get them to agree with us or or love us exactly the way that we need to be loved or do it the way we want it done. Amen? We're going to be patient Right, we have to send the message to the world that, that this is a place of second chances. You know, I've heard people, they've come in and they felt so warm and they felt accepted here at New Song. And I want to tell you, that's like the most, that's when I know that we're winning. That's when I know that we're doing it right. They were, I don't know what they were expecting, but it, it wasn't acceptance, it wasn't grace, and it wasn't mercy. They were expecting something uh, different. And take initiative in, in kindness. This is the the thing. Respond to others, not out of what they've done for you or what they've done to you, but respond to others based on what God has done for you. You'll never come up dry. If you're going to base it on what other people are doing for you, I want to tell you, yikes. I mean, it's great. Like This is a place where people do love each other and people do build into each other, but none of us can do it perfectly. But if we always have God that we can turn to and respond to the things that he's in our lives and will never run dry, we can always stay connected until the very day that God says, hey, you know, uh, we want to do this. We're going to start this ministry. We're going to plant this church or we need you need to take this job because there's a mission field uh, over over here. Amen.